And I also invite you to take a look at this painting that appears to you in double form, quadruple form, if you look at all of the slides and the screens up here. It's a famous painting. Actually, it is a 1893 painting by a famous Norwegian artist named Edward Munch. Edward Munch in 1893 tells us that he was out for a walk on a summer evening when the sunset turned the clouds into blood red. He picks that up rather dramatically, wouldn't you say? Then Munch, as he narrates his way through this painting, tells us at that moment, seeing the clouds blood red, he says, quote, I heard an infinite scream. Wow. What does that look like? Well, this is what that looks like. The face, the face. Edward Munch captures this moment in this face, this face that is marked by desperation and despair, utter hopelessness. This face, you probably know, has become one of the most iconic faces in the history of art. So famous that in 2012, this painting titled The Scream, appropriately. The Scream went for what? How much would you pay for that painting? Well, it commanded a price of $120 million. If I paid that much for a painting, I think I'd scream. (laughs) Here's another famous painting. 1505, by a much more famous artist named Michelangelo. This painting is titled simply Jeremiah. It appears on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel in Rome. Why is Jeremiah so downcast? Why does Michelangelo paint Jeremiah? as having a face that is full of desperation and despair. Because a national tragedy has just happened. Josiah, if you know anything about kings in the Old Testament, most of them were evil, wicked, rotten, and no good. But not Josiah. Josiah was one of the few godly kings says that Josiah didn't turn to the left or to the right. He followed God wholeheartedly, but Josiah had just been killed, mowed down. The Battle of Megiddo in 609 B.C. Think Abraham Lincoln being assassinated at Forbes Theater in 1865. Think JFK being assassinated at Dealey Plaza in Dallas in 1963. If you think along those terms, you can begin to enter how people felt in Judah and Jerusalem in 609 B.C. This was a national disaster. No wonder Jeremiah's face is full of despair and desperation. 
people were beside themselves. We might even say they just wanted to scream. We've been beside ourselves now for better part of three months, haven't we? We know all about national disasters, don't we? There are some times in the last couple months that if you're like most people on the planet, you've just wanted to scream. First it was COVID-19, then the ensuing economic implications, and now racial tension, the likes of which we haven't seen in a generation. What a toxic trifecta of disasters. Jeremiah says, though, instead of screaming, he invites us to worship. Worship. (laughs) Screaming doesn't work. Not when you're in a disaster, not when you're in a private disaster, a national disaster, a financial disaster, a family disaster. Screaming doesn't work. Clenching our fists, getting angry, getting mad, stomping our feet, throwing things. That might feel good for a second or two, but doesn't work in the long run. I remember my dad using this phrase. He said, don't have a, and here it comes, a certain generation will have heard this, don't have a hissy fit. Raise a hand if you've ever heard that phrase. Okay, some of you, yeah, okay, all right. So we all know about hissy fits, right? (laughs) We get so mad and angry, we just want to scream. And Jeremiah says, that doesn't help you survive disasters. It's just done. No, Jeremiah says, worship helps us survive disaster. So that's why I'm calling this sermon, Surviving Through Worship. That's what Jeremiah chapter 7, 1 to 15 is all about. Surviving through worship. First thing Jeremiah says is you need the right place. You need the right place. So God tells Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 7, verse 2, stand in the gate of the Lord's house. Now, you know the Lord's house. That's Solomon's temple in Jerusalem. It's it's been the national shrine now for almost 300 years. So they knew the right place. Josiah's dead. We go to the Lord's house. So that's where God positions the prophet. Proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who enter these gates to worship the Lord. So it's a good thing. They're in the right place. They're hurt. They're confused. They're scared stiff. Josiah. Josiah is now dead, mowed down, as I said, at Megiddo. So they come to the right place, the Lord's house, to hear the Lord's word. We know what it's like, right, to be hurt, confused, scared stiff, scared stiff. I was scared stiff on May 29th. Just a couple weeks ago, nonchalantly, I was driving in downtown Fort Wayne about 9.30 at night, and all of a sudden, bam, I'm in the middle of a riot, and it's bumper to bumper. 
And there's tear gas and people running around and policemen running and chasing people with clubs. And I think, holy tamale, conniption fit time. <laughs> we all know what that's like. And now we have this phrase, defund the police. Oh boy, that gives us a lot of confidence, right? What does that mean, defund the police? So we come to the right place, this place, this place that many of us have missed for almost three months because it's in this place, in this sanctuary, that's the right place where God meets us. It's in this place that Jesus gives us power to face our past, peace to face our present, and promises to face the future. It's in this place that we come. This is the right place. It's a word for what Jesus does when we are in the right place. And that word is mercy. Mercy. Mercy sent Jesus to be born. Mercy sent Jesus to heal and teach and preach. Mercy sent Jesus to suffer, bleed, and die on a Roman stake of execution. Mercy sent Jesus out of that tomb, bodily and physically alive, and mercy will send Jesus again to raise our bodies so we live in pristine perfection forever. Mercy. <laughs> That's what God delivers in this place. Abounding, overwhelming mercy. Marvelous and miraculous mercy. Christ's mercy from the cross gives us forgiveness for every sin, direction for every turn, and hope for every scream of despair. So you've come to the right place. <laughs> This is a place of mercy. Jeremiah goes on. We need the right place. We need the right words. He says to these people coming to worship at the time of national disaster, do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Well, it was the temple of the Lord. Why are these deceptive words? Because Jeremiah knows people are just mindlessly saying them. Uh, they're just repeating words, slogans, songs, creeds. But that's all they're doing. They're just going through the motions. So they've become not the right words, they've become deceptive words. Just citing cliches and creeds, right? S songs and slogans. That doesn't fortify our faith. Just going through the motions, right? That doesn't give us courage and confidence when we're going through a disaster. No, the right words are words meaning and feeling and are vibrant and alive and are true. So you need the right place. You need the right words. Honest words. Jeremiah also says, biblical worship means the right heart. The right heart. See if you can pick up what 
commandments of the ten, Jeremiah is citing here. His famous so-called temple sermon continues. Will you steal, seventh commandment, murder, fifth commandment, commit adultery, sixth commandment, swear falsely, eighth commandment, make offerings to Baal, go after other gods you've not known. Of course, that's the first commandment of the ten. So they live in such a way as to callously and repeatedly break these commandments, chiseled in stone on Mount Sinai, and then God says, you come in this house, you actually come to worship, and you have the audacity to to say, we're delivered? Hmm. Josiah is dead. So the people think we're in the right place, we got the right words, and everything is just right. No, it's not. They're going along with their own plans, their own agendas, their own desires. And us, I mean, we we know, we know, this can be you. This most certainly can be me. That's why Jeremiah says, you need to go on a field trip. I want to take on a field trip 20 miles north to a place called Shiloh. And this is what God says through the prophet, Jeremiah 7, 12. Go now to my place that was in Shiloh where I made my name dwell at first. See, before Jerusalem, there was Shiloh. One of the most famous places in the Old Testament. See what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel. Shiloh is where Joshua, after the children of Israel went through the Jordan River, Joshua Shiloh set up the tabernacle. That's God's house, right? It's at Shiloh that Joshua divided up the promised land. It was at Shiloh that God called Samuel to be a leader in Israel. Shiloh was the right place. At Shiloh, they had the right words. Shiloh, they didn't have the right heart. So what did God do? He sent the Philistines, 1055 B.C., And the Philistines actually not only destroyed Shiloh, if you know the story, the Philistines, in 1 Samuel chapters 6, (laughs) the Philistines actually carried away the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, When there was just the right place and the right words without the right heart, God destroyed Shiloh, and then Jeremiah comes to this stunning and shocking conclusion. Jerusalem will fare no better than Shiloh. So the it can't happen here crowd needs to look 20 miles north to Shiloh. Shiloh is any place where God once was and no longer is. We don't want to become Shiloh. 
God, though, doesn't want us to become Shiloh either, right? (laughs) That's why he gives us the right place, this place. He gives us the right words, words of meaning and feeling, and he gives us the right heart, a broken and contrite heart. God gives this to you. God gives you a humble heart, gives you a teachable and reachable heart. God gives us a repentant heart, but we need something else. (laughs) Biblical worship means you have the right God. You might kind of look around. I'm sure you do. I do, right? You kind of say, well, who's worshiping today? And I have an answer for you. Everybody, everybody is worshiping today. Everybody on the planet, right now, if they're awake, they're worshiping. See, everyone worships. Everyone pays homage to something or someone. Everyone gives ultimate value to something or someone. It may be sex or power or job or health or wealth, but everyone's worshiping now. That's not the issue. The issue is, are you worshiping the right God? Because these other gods promise everything. They deliver nothing. Their dead ends. There's only one God who speaks into our desperate screams. And that's the right God, the only God, this God who speaks. Throughout these first 15 verses in Jeremiah 7, we have God's Word coming to address people who are broken in times of disaster. That's how it all starts. The Word comes to Jeremiah from Yahweh. Hear the Word of Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh of armies. I myself have seen it, declares Yahweh. And and this is how Yahweh, Lord, L-R-D in all caps in your English versions, right? This God speaks to you persistently. I love that adverb. Persistently. Even when I don't want to listen, God keeps speaking. He won't throw in the towel. He won't give up. He speaks persistently. He speaks into our scream. And what does he say? This is the God who speaks to you persistently. He says, it's true, I have forgiven you, but right now I forgive you present tense. God says in worship, it's true you have been baptized, but you are baptized present tense. It's true God, Yahweh in the flesh, that's who Jesus is. Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood, present tense. Jesus doesn't say, well, this used to be my body, this this was my blood. No, God persistently speaks present tense. Can you hear him? Right now? This is what he's saying. You were dead in sin. Now you're alive in Jesus. You were standing and sinking in sand, but now you're standing on the rock. You were living as a victim. Now you're living in victory. Christ's resurrection victory. God speaks this to you persistently. 
for many of us, one of our favorite books, either as children, right, or as adults reading books to children, our favorite all time would be what? The little engine that could. Talk about tense, complex, literary drama. (laughs) Simple story. Train breaks down. Engine carrying it over a mountain. Can't do it any longer. They start trying to draft a big engine to take the train over the big mountain. But finally, there's just a little blue engine. And you know what he says repeatedly. I think I can. I think I can. And finally he can. He could. He did. He brings the train safely over the mountain and into the train depot. It's most of the time, doesn't it? Just try a little bit harder. Just tug a little bit stronger. Just persist. Just stick in there. Just endure. Just be tough. And you too can make it. That works most of the time. But not all the time. Not in the time of a disaster. No. Time of a disaster, we're not the little engine that could. We're the train wreck that can't. Then what do you do? Oh, what do you do when you're the train wreck that can't? What do you do when the sky turns blood red? What do you do when you hear an infinite scream? What do you do when you can't make it over the mountain? What do you do? Well, don't scream. Jeremiah invites us to worship. The right place, right? With the right words, with the right heart, and worship the right God. And this is the only God. He's the right God. This is the God who is for train wrecks that can't. (laughs) This God meets you today with the gospel, with the good news. And this God replaces our scream with the song. Do you know the song? It's the most famous song in the Bible. It appears 28 times in the Bible. It's just a little old song. It's just one word in Hebrew, three words in English. But this is our song. You know the song in English. Praise the Lord. In Hebrew. Hallelujah. This is our song, and we're sticking to it. Amen.